0: hey folks this is david opposing the matrix um we were not on last night because it was a memorial day and i forgot all about it shame on me um but we're here tonight and uh i hope everybody got to spend a nice and solemn memorial day thinking about the the men and women that gave their lives so that you and i can have radio shows uh how long that's going to last i have no idea But the way things are going, uh, we've had a pretty good run where I think we're working on our 11th year. And um, the way things are going, well, we'll see what happens. You know, that's all we can do. So anyway, uh, where do we go from here? Uh, As you know, on Monday nights air, Tuesday night, um, tonight, um, Brian's not with me. I usually do a show all by myself. I was thinking about what to do. I mean there's no lack of subject matter, you know what I mean? Uh you could pick a topic and and talk for hours on it if you wanted to, but uh I know that I don't want to bore you and at the same time it's not nice to keep uh keep you away from other things than more than an hour half or two. So tonight we're going to talk about uh this fourth industrial revolution that we've been hearing about uh from the World Economic Forum, W.E.F., and the Fourth Reich, as they say, is is coming into view, too. However, the Fourth Reich, uh, when you think of Nazis, you know, you have so many of these leftists that are out there, and there's, oh, yeah, well, Donald Trump, he's a a Nazi, and uh, Donald Trump is the farthest thing from a Nazi you can think about. Uh, Nazi... It, accusing somebody of being nazi is is akin to accusing somebody of being racist i remember uh one day i was i said something about islam and it was, oh you're racist well no i'm not because islam isn't a race it's a it's a belief system it's a a religion if you have it um so no i wasn't being racist and and since when can you not talk about stuff without being called racist so um anybody wants to call me racist i really don't give a dang you know And I will speak the way I want to speak. And I am not a racist, okay? Um, And so we, oh, prove it. Well, you know what? Prove that I am. That's all. And and I'll come back at you then. Um, Anyway, so, yeah, we were talking about racism and and, uh, how people are so quick to throw out labels, you know? Oh, you're Gee whiz, I mean, all I could do is, um, I've got, I've got a hat I bought a while back and it's, um, it's a Southern officer's hat from the Confederacy. It's not real. It's a remake, but, and I was wearing it one day and all oh, my relatives, oh, well, you shouldn't wear that. People are going to think you're a racist. Well, no. <laughs> you know, if I wear a captain's hat, I'm not a captain, but if people are going to think I'm a captain if i wear, if i were to put on islamic garb just for the heck of it do i automatically become islamic if i was born in a bagel shop does that make me a bagel you know no it doesn't it means it means i was born in a bagel shop and god mad imagine if you were born in the back of a taxi you're a taxi oh my goodness um you know, at the risk of offending those who maybe are larger than me, which today is a very scant few. Um, you know, I, my goodness, it's it's getting so ridiculous anymore. You know, and it's only getting worse and worse. So what are you going to do? <clears throat> you just gotta, you just gotta fight your single battles one at a time and keep on going. But um, yeah, so it's it's easy to cast somebody as a Nazi. All you got to do is do something that they don't like and you're a nazi or you're a racist or you're a homophobe you know just because I, I choose to like women does not mean and love women uh specifically my wife does not make me a homophobe it makes me normal Ooh, no that was a homophobic statement to some people but you know you can't win for losing so why even try um, <clears throat> but anyway uh, you got this guy klaus barbie he's over there in europe um, he's the head of the world economic forum and he's out there saying, yeah, we have to have a fourth industrial revolution. Um, and we're going to have it basically is what he's saying, uh, hook or crook. He's going to make it happen. Well, if you were tuned in uh, a few weeks back, we did a, um, a show and part of that show had to do with Yuval Noah Harari, who is basically what I would consider a Klaus Barbie second in command. He's one of his advisors, but he's more, one of his more outspoken advisors very outspoken and he's calling for things that make the Georgia guidestones look like um, look like wrapping paper at Christmas you know <laughs> it's um, some of the stuff is is completely wicked you know uh, merging our ourselves with machines or not machines with computers with AI um, letting people work on our chromosomes um, to m- make ourselves better of course but who's to stop people from making us worse right? And, and usually with humankind, when it comes to uh, technology, we tend to take things and make them worse, okay? Now, I'll use the atom bomb for example, uh, nuclear weapons. Uh, nuclear power was, or nuclear weapons were made to to end World War II, and of course it, it escalated after that, and there was the Cold War and the whole nine yards, but Um, but nuclear power is also used in nuclear power plants. And if they're run correctly and they're built correctly and in a safe place, then they can go for years and years and years, decades, centuries, um, providing power for mankind, but they've, they've been demonized too now. So, you know, it's, all you have to have is one or two accidents and, um, all of us, all three, I guess now, if you, if you count Fukushima, but, um, you know fire is another example fire man you can cook with it you can you can um melt with it melt metal with it and and you know make instruments of war or instrument you make duels with it and stuff like that um you know so many things fire can be used for but it's also used for evil it's used by arsonists and it's used um by a variety of different people who want our race evidence, and things like that. Although modern technology is getting around that and, and you can burn stuff now and you can still find out that people have done something wrong and find out who it was. So that's a good thing, I think. But, um, so anything that mankind makes, invents, discovers, um, sooner or later ends to be used in, uh, less than wholesome manner that's a good way to put it um so this fourth industrial revolution um is is uh, wicked uh it's all get out um and let me see if i can find this okay well um klaus not klaus barbie <laughs> same difference uh uh klaus um ah i knew this was going to happen it's been a long day folks i've been working outside all day and um Klaus schwab's his name by the way now they had a meeting in, in davos and that's in india Uh the davos manifesto 2020 um and uh they've had one recently too and i couldn't find the results to that but uh i will look and maybe it'll result in a later show but um the Universal Purpose of a Company in the Fourth Industrial Revolution. And I got half. That's a very short thing. Let me read it, okay? <clears throat> Let me prepare you for it. It's basically saying that the workers in a company have as much rights as the, the employer, that the employer has to treat the workers with dignity and respect. and And for the most part, most employers do that anyway. I mean, there's a few. I've worked for a few that were... Uh, SOBs, you know, (laughs) you just, but you quit and you went to work somewhere else. But um, he wants it to where basically all companies pay their right share of taxes. And um, I can understand that. I could see the, the merit in that. Okay. But at the same time, if a company is given a tax break and they can hire 100 or 1500 more people because of that tax break, then isn't that a good thing? I mean, it makes sense to me. It's a good thing. There's 1,500 Oh, well, let's say the average of four. That's 6,000 people that you're feeding. Okay. If you, if you take into account, you know, every, every, oh, and here we go. I'm being homophobic again. That, um, you know, every man is married to a woman and they both have two children. That's four in a family times 1,500 is 6,000. Okay. So <laughs> I'm surprised I don't get more evil email. Um, but now that I said that maybe I will. Anyway, so tax breaks are, are good in some instances, you know, and that, it's being abused, it really has. Uh one thing that really pisses me off is um Amazon. Amazon mails things out hilly nilly, left and right, up and down, twenty four seven. And part of the reason they can do that is they're subsidized by the United States government. Okay. Or at least they were last time I checked and yeah, if the government's subsidizing you, yeah, you can mail out to Timbuktu if you want to, to the deepest, darkest, uh, I shouldn't say darkest, but I would say areas of Africa, Um, you know, the Congo in the jungle somewhere, or, uh, you know, Nepal or, or somewhere in, Deepest darkest Siberia. There, that ought to make people feel better. I'm, I'm talking darkness about white people. Okay. Um, so anyway, um, yeah, if you're subsidized, then, then that's wrong. Okay, you, you're, you're given, you're being given a an unfair break to to actually crunch the other guy, to walk on him and crunch him. You know, the little the little guy that wants to mail things out or wants to sell things. And, and can't because he has to pay more for them. And he has to pay postage to mail it out to people, right? Okay, but there are some instances where tax breaks are okay. So anyway, he's going to go into that here, uh, that a good company will pay their fair share. And who's to say what a fair share is anyway? Is the government saying what a fair share is? Is it a legitimate government like we have? We don't have here in the United States? um is it a uh a government that's in bed with all these companies is it a government that hates companies is it a bunch of union oh i use the u word union scum scoundrels now if you're in a union please don't be offended by that i've been in unions before recently i just retired from a job where i was in a union they didn't do a dang thing for me except take my money Um and when i needed them they weren't there so i do have a little bit of a gripe and a beef but um Anyway, they they do tend to assert their their um their influence, that's a good word, into uh the workplace where um where others couldn't do it and um and usually it's for their own gain. And, and they uh they almost every union I know of um gives money to political parties that I don't believe in. And uh, there was a good illustration um and it had a guy, it was a figure you know, it was like a cartoon figure. And uh, he had a, a rope tied around his neck. And he was watering a, a plant. It was a small tree. But the illustration was that, yeah, he's going to keep watering that. But sooner or later, that tree is going to grow big enough to where it can hang him. Okay. Um, and that's a lot of things, a lot of times what we're doing, you know, or what people do. You know, they foster these different you know, unions, these different um, organizations and stuff like that that are bent to kill. And one thing I've never been able to understand and I don't think I wanna understand is why my fellow Jews tend to um, tend to support socialism when Nazis were socialists, okay? <laughs> um, that totally befuddles me. And, and that's something that's gonna come around and bite the Jewish community and the, the behind. Um, and for some reason we just don't learn, you know, um, however, our people haven't learned for what, three, 3,500 years. So, um, what's to say it's going to happen now. I think it's going to take the, the appearance or the second coming of Yeshua Mashiach and showing his nail prints in his, um, in his arms and in his side. And then maybe not, maybe it says that, uh, that Israel will weep and mourn for their only son. Um, as somebody that's like their only son anyway um so we always tend to do this stuff and not just jews but christians and and secular people atheists uh we we don't learn from history we we always do things that that kind of bite us in the butt so if the third reich didn't work oh you i'm jumping to reich i don't want to do that let me let me kind of illustrate before we go any further and see if i can find the um Fourth generate. Okay. The fourth industrial revolution. Okay. Let's talk about that first and then we'll jump into the Reiches because there's so many similarities that ain't funny. Okay. And this is coming from uh, Encyclopedia Britannica. So it's got to be the truth, right? Um, actually, I read through it <clears throat> and there are some interesting things in it. So, uh, Encyclopedia Britannica says the fourth revo- uh, industrial revolution. The Fourth Industrial Revolution heralds a series of social, see, political, cultural, and economic upheavals. So right away, they're admitting that it's causing upheavals that will unfold over the 21st century. Building on the widespread availability of digital technologies that were the result of Third Industrial Revolution or Digital Revolution, the Fourth Industrial Revolution will be driven largely by a convergence of digital biological and physical innovations hmm like getting absorbed by the borg i always think about that when i think about crossing over to half human half machine okay like the first industrial revolution steam-powered factories the second industrial revolution's applications of science to mass reduction and manufacturing and the third industrial revolution started the digitation The fourth industrial revolution technologies such as artificial intelligence, genome editing, augmented reality, uh, robotics, and 3D printing are rapidly changing the way humans create, exchange, and distribute value. As occurred in the previous revolutions, this will be profoundly trans. trans This will profoundly transform institutions, industries, and individuals. More importantly, this revolution will be guided by the choices that people make today the world in 50 to 100 years from now will owe a lot to it of its character to how we think about, invest in, and deploy these powerful new technologies. Yeah, like we'll last 100 years if they do. Anyway, and then there's a quote from somebody named Julie Friedman Steele, and it says, we all need to become futurist citizens. No, thank you. Um, it's important to appreciate the fourth re- industrial revolution that it involves a system, systemic change, excuse me, across many sectors and aspects of human life, the cross-cutting impacts of emerging technologies are even more important than the exciting capabilities they represent. Our ability to edit the building blocks of life has recently been massively expanded by low-cost gene sequencing and techniques such as CRISPR, C-R-I-S-P-R, and artificial, artificial intelligence is augmenting. Processes and skills in every industry. Uh, ne- me, neurotechnology is making unprecedented strides in how we can use the inf- and influence the brain as the last frontier of human biology. Automation is a, <clears throat> disrupting century-old transportation and manufacturing paradigms, and technologies such as blockchain and smart materials are redefining and blurring the boundary between digital and physical worlds. This is a bunch of horse hockey. You know why? Because uh, when humans were used to riding horses, you know, late in the horse period, um, I don't know if that was a time period or not, but I just made that up. Um, And all of a sudden cars came along. Well, yeah, the whole thing was, well, it's never going to make it anywhere. You know, it's, it's either too expensive or they break down. Horses are more reliable, blah, blah, blah. And to some extent, those things might be true, <laughs> but um, they learned to accept the automobile, and pretty soon the automobile replaced the horse in most cases. And um, having done that, people just adapted. There was no upheaval. Did people take to the streets when cars were introduced? No, we're not going to do that. Blah blah blah. No, they didn't. What about the train? We'll talk about the Industrial Revolution before that, the the uh, third one um i might be getting them wrong sorry um but you know here you got um again horses and and wagons and everything else and ships okay a large amount of uh the goods were were put on ships and uh and sailed around south america and brought to the west coast and you know if you're in europe they they went from india to you know around cape horn to uh, to England and the rest of Europe. So, you know, there were, there were long expanses that the ships had to go through, but things still got through. And then, uh, more powerful ships came into being, uh, steam engines. And, um, then, um, trains, you know, uh, crisscrossing the United States, uh, after a little while, you know, and, and bringing people and goods from, from New York to San Francisco, from, uh, you name it from philadelphia to los angeles all over the place you know and and people didn't get all freaked out and everything they just learned to accept it okay now there were people that you know one i think one person said back then uh if you go over 40 miles an hour you'll die (laughs) okay (laughs) well there is some merit to that if you but you know we're talking about if you go uh from zero to you know, 17,000 miles an hour, you know, you'll, you'll turn into much, but that's, that's an extreme, not going from zero to 40 in, uh, in five minutes, (laughs) you know, but, um, anyway, uh, but people, there was no upheaval there, you know, things changed. Of course they did, you know, uh, people that, uh, raised horses, um, were the sales of horses became less and less um, people that uh, made horseshoes, well, they didn't make any more horseshoes, but they still worked in foundries or or a blacksmith shop making other things. Um, and then when the steel industry took off, many of them went to work in the steel industry and, and left their foundries and, uh, and their stables and stuff like that. So, you know, it's this upheaval thing makes me think that, yeah, there's going to be an upheaval and it's you're going to create upheaval in order for people to accept it. Now, one of the things I want to throw in here real quick before I continue, if you read the book of Revelation, it talks about horsemen, um, you know, the the kings of the east, 200 million horsemen. Uh, it talks about the four horses of Revelation, um, uh, what is it, famine, death, um, pestilence, and um, starvation. And You know, so it uses horses figuratively and it uses it uh, literally. And, but my, my, my question is, again, it was Ezekiel 38, 39. You know, I'll draw you down. So, so many hundreds of thousand people on horseback, you know, it's, it's like, did you not know, maybe the, the person that saw these visions, Daniel and Ezekiel and others, they couldn't describe a, a machine without a horse. So they, they, they added horses to it you know or or could it be that uh, that things are going to get so screwed up that first of all there won't be any gas so you can't run your cars there won't be any diesel, so you can't run trains and you can't run um uh, big rigs and you can't run your diesel trucks um you know those of you who have diesel trucks man i miss my diesel truck so much but the way the diesel prices are these days because of joe biden yeah you biden you messed everything up Um, the way that those prices are, I'm kind of glad I don't have it right now. Um, so are things going to get so bad that that people are going to turn to horses and actually be riding horses when this happens? Or is it representation of uh, tanks and Jeeps and everything else? So that remains to be seen, but it's, it's talk about an upheaval. What kind of upheaval will have to happen for, for people to turn to horses instead of tanks and Jeeps and cars and airplanes and everything else, you know? Yeah, uh, It's interesting to look at. And, and if that is the case where, you know, a big upheaval happens and we don't have those things anymore, they can't be operated and horses are around again, then, um, how close are we to that? You know, it seems like they don't want us driving anymore and electric cars aren't really, <laughs> aren't really, um, yeah, I laugh when I say electric cars, sorry. I'll take a gas engine any day, but, um. You know, they're not that uh, prevalent in society yet. Uh, yeah, there are some people that have them, and they seem to be doing pretty good. But um, here's an idea. What if there's um, a nuclear exchange? But instead of being a, an on-the-ground nuclear exchange, it's a um, it's a pulse, an electromagnetic pulse that we launch them against Russia, and Russia lost them against us, or China. Uh, you know, you, you pick your bad guy. Or Iran speaking of bad guys but um so what if there's that and it burns up the circuits of all the electric cars well electric cars are going to be worthless then right um they always say that if you're going to buy a car a gas engine car buy one that was built before 1973 because it doesn't have all the electronic crap in it it's regular it's regular mechanical you know so anyway i know i got off uh, on a rabbit trail there but um let me let me continue reading here okay okay disrupting central transport and manufacturing paradigms and technologies such as blockchain and smart materials are defining and blurring the boundary between digital and physical worlds that's true it is kind of blurry i still don't understand all the blockchain and uh, all the electronic digital money and stuff like that it's um it's, it's a different, it's a whole animal that I don't know if I want to understand, okay? And it continues, the result of all this societal transformation at a global scale, is at a global scale. By affecting the incentives, rules, and norms of economic life, it transforms how we communicate, learn, entertain ourselves, and relate to one another, and how we understand ourselves as human beings. Furthermore, the sense of that new, the new technologies are, are being developed, and implemented at an increasingly rapid pace has the impact on human identities, uh, communities and political structures. As a result, our responsibilities to one another, our opportunities for self-realization and our ability to positively impact the world are intricately uh intrinsically tied, excuse me, to the and shaped by how we engage with the technologies of the fourth industrial revolution. This revolution is not just happening to us. We are not its victims, but rather we have the opportunity, even responsibility, to give it structure and purpose. Baloney. I want nothing to do with it. Sorry. Um, As economists, Eric, uh, oh my goodness. I'll spell it. B-R-Y-N-J-O-L-F-S-S-O-N. If you can pronounce that. Clearly, the first time you're a better man than me or woman. Um, And uh, as economists Eric, that guy, and uh, Andrew McAfee have pointed out, this revolution could yield greater inequality, particularly in its potential to disrupt labor markets. As automation substitutes for labor across the entire economy, the net displacement of workers by machines might exacerbate the gap between uh, returns to capital and returns to labor. On the other hand, as it is possible that displacement of workers um, by technology will, in aggregate, result in a net increase in safe and rewarding jobs. I don't know. People tend to adapt. and I don't think they're giving people enough uh, credit for that. But um, if you're going to add upheaval to it, then heck yeah. Let's see. There's a, looks like a uh, another quote here. Uh, what happens if 45% of all jobs are automated out of existence in the next 20 years? And uh, it says Peter H. Diamondis has a few ideas. And that's another link. I'm not going to go to. Sorry. All previous industrial revolutions have had both positive and negative impacts on different stakeholders. We talked about the horse and the car. Remember, nations have become wealthier and technologies have uh, Help pull entire societies out of poverty, but the inability to fairly distribute the resulting benefits or anticipate externalities has resulted in global changes. By recognizing the risk, uh, whether cybersecurity threats, misinformation on a massive scale through digital media, potential unemployment, or increased social and economic inequity, uh, we can take a few steps to align common human values with our technolo- technological progress and ensure that the fourth industrial revolution benefits human beings first and foremost. Oh, what about the planet Earth? I thought that. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm I'm getting that and all the um, gobbledygook from the new age, which I thought was involved in all this, but maybe they're not. Um, yeah, it's a long article. Okay, we cannot foresee at this point which scenario is likely to emerge from this new revolution. However, I am convinced of one thing that in the future, talent more than capital will represent a critical factor of production. I don't know about that. Um, With these fundamental transformations underway today, we have the opportunity to proactively shape the fourth industrial revolution to be both inclusive and human-centered. Ooh. Inclusive. There's that word, folks, inclusive. All right. And many of you know what I'm talking about. Uh, this revolution is much more than technology. <clears throat> it is an opportunity to unite global communities, to build sustainable economies, to adapt and modernize governance models, to reduce material and social inequities, and to commit to values value-based leadership of emerging technologies. Let me ask you, uh, well, let me finish this last and i'll ask you a question the fourth uh, industrial revolution is therefore therefore is not a prediction of the future but a call to action it is a vision for developing diffusing and governing technologies in ways that foster more empowering collaborative and sustainable foundation for social and economic development built around shared values of a common good human dignity and intergenerational stewardship Realizing its vision will be the core challenging the great respectability of the next 50 years. Since this essay was originally published in 2018 in Encyclopedia Britannica, anniversary edition, 250 years of excellence, 1768 to 2018. Yeah, well, if you got to pat yourself on the back, then there's something wrong there. Anyway, um, people have the ability to Make things better, okay? Um, there's a saying out there: if you if you give a man a glass of water, you've or if you give a man some food, you fish. That's what it was. If you give a man a fish, you fed him for a day. If you teach him how to fish, you fed him for a lifetime. Okay, now let's take the subject of um, water wells. Okay, um, I it's my opinion that what keeps mankind from from moving forward, um, like with the, uh, what they're calling inequity, um, with the poor and the rich is that the poor don't want to teach the rich and the rich don't want to learn. <laughs> okay. Why, why? Well, I'll tell you what, the, um, the COVID thing that went on in the last couple of years. Okay. People had good, good jobs and they got laid off, but then the jobs started opening up again. However, the government was paying them more money on social, on, um, unemployment than if they went back to work what was their incentive to go back okay there was none now let's just say that you have two villages uh let's say somewhere in south america because i don't want people to say i'm uh, anti-black or anything so we'll say south america um and village a Somebody came in and gave them a well. Village B doesn't have a well. Now, Village B can go to Village A and get all the water they want. And it doesn't cost them anything because Village um, A is very friendly. They like Village B. However, they start taking advantage of the situation. And they have relatives in Village C and they start getting water from Village C. Now, Village A says, well, you know, if this keeps up, we're going to run out of water. So we got to kind of clamp down. So they say, you know, only if you're from Village B can you come get water. Well, you know, my relative lives in Village C and Village C needs water, too. So why won't you share? And pretty soon you got a little war going on between Village A and Village B. And Village C, who has members in Village B, says oh yeah well no we've been getting water from them, so we got to fight village a with phil by helping village b and pretty soon village a is annihilated (laughs) and village b takes over the water and so then they have the water rights and then village c says okay well you know we can go get free water but village c has relatives that live in village d You, you get the point right um people are greedy and people will take things that aren't theirs because it's easy for them. It's easy to be lazy. It's human nature to be lazy. Basically. Um, uh, and, and, and some folks, you know, not all, but, uh, in the, in the vast amount of humanity, it's easier to be lazy. Um, you know, if, if they offered free income to everybody, <clears throat> um, I would, heck, I, I, I'd, I'd consider getting that instead of going to work. You know i consider it i wouldn't do it because i have my pride about what i what i do but um so anyway it's uh you know when you talk about inequity you got to try to work your way out of it okay now um many of my all of my ancestors came from from europe Um, some of them came from white europe some of them came from um, latin europe okay uh, the people that came from Latin Europe weren't very well liked. Okay. They were called, you know, dagos, wops, um, garlic eaters, you, you name it. Okay. They weren't very well liked. And, 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 the uh, the white Anglo-Saxo Protestants that lived here made them know it. <laughs> you know, you're unwelcome here. Why don't you go back to where you came from? See, everybody overlooks that kind of, um, racial prejudice and, and, um, prejudice against nationalities and stuff like that and color but you know there's certain nationalities that get more favor because supposedly they, they they've had more uh service uh from other cultures anyway um so but they came here and they they worked they might have worked cleaning out digging ditches or cleaning out sewers or whatever But they knew that they wanted to be here and they wanted to make things better. Yeah, they could have given up and gone back to Italy or or in other places that they came from. Yeah, it would have been probably easy because they had family back then. Hey, I tried it over there. It didn't work. You know, the people didn't like us and stuff like that. But no, the people had gusto, man. They just, they came here and they they say, hey, we're going to put up with a little bit of problems. And then they, they gave birth to a new generation, that generation started you know starting assimilating more than they did although most of my ancestors assimilated very well um because they realized and they were thankful that the united states took them in not like today where people come in like it's our duty to take them in um, um there's a story um, i like to tell and uh my, my grandfather was um, a first generation uh, italian american here in the united states and this is back east in new jersey and he was born in brooklyn um his father immigrated from i think it was genoa and his uh, mother came from sicily and when they got here you know my grandfather was born well my grandfather spoke two languages because his father taught him how to speak italian and they spoke italian in the house and uh, so anyway they went to a store one day and uh, my grandfather started to speak to his father in, in italian And my grandfather grabbed him by the earlobe and dragged him outside it was quite violent i understand my grandpa what did i do what did i do he says he says these people were nice enough to allow us to come to this country and they accepted us you will not speak italian out in public you can speak it around the house all you want but to honor these people you will speak english and man it's like the total opposite of what's happening today you know uh, press one if you want to speak in Spanish. Press two if you want to speak in Thai. Press three if you want to speak in Chinese. You know, nobody wants to learn a language anymore. We're we're turning into a fractured culture. That's another show for another day. But um, so anyway, there there's this big societal change moving to another country. You know, did it cause upheaval? No, not for most people. They just learned to adapt and moved on. Okay. So that's basically um a little education about what the fourth industrial revolution is okay now so if you take the georgia guidestones and and then you compare them with what bill gates says and a few other jackasses out there um you know the one of their main goals is to reduce the population down to 500 million so that supposedly mankind can live in harmony with nature and not be a burden on the land okay since when does the land have more rights than people well since the these the fourth uh, industrial revolution wants to take over you know Uh, and i know it talked a lot about having respect for humans and stuff like that but um when you when you research and do do that okay do research this more than than i'm talking about today you're going to come across some stuff that I would like to present, but I can't because it's only a two-hour show or one hour, depending on what happens. But um, there's a lot of wickedness and evil that's involved in this. Uh, I don't think it's an accident that uh, Germany has come into power again, and it's probably the strongest nation in the European Union, and it basically controls things here. (laughs) Okay. Um, Can you say Fourth Reich? Um, and we'll get into more of that in a little while, but, um, so, and then, um, the head guy for the WEF, Klaus Schwab, boy, you don't get more German than that, you know? Um, okay. So maybe he's Austrian, maybe he's, um, Swiss, same difference. Okay. Same beginnings. Um, so you got austrians an austrian or a german running things over in europe basically uh, meaning germany's running things but then you got klaus schwab and others um that are really pressing in now really really pressing in and um and they want to make this world economic forum something that's um something to write home about to their relatives and stuff and and really it's um it's something to write to uh something to pray about, uh, pray against actually. Um, but so you got Klaus Schwab with this, uh, touting this fourth. Um, and there's something else I wanted to, okay. Maybe I wanted to read this. Oh yeah. Did I read this? No, I didn't. Um, I want to get around to this though. Um, so in 2020 they had a, uh, a meeting in Davos, and I think they had another one um, this year. And and this was all about the uh, uh, it says the universal purposes of a company in the fourth industrial revolution. Okay, now let's let's read some of this bovine schatology and see what it's all about. The purpose of a company is to engage all of its stockholders in shared and sustained value creation. Okay, sustained value creation, uh, translation, making money on a consistent basis. In creating such a value, a company serves not only its shareholders, but all of its stakeholders, employees, customers, suppliers, local communities, and society at large. Okay, so you see it's turning a company not from a, something that provides uh, materials for people but as a servant to the community. Okay, folks, that's communism, okay? The best way to understand and harmonize the divergent interests of all stakeholders is through a shared commitment to policies and decisions that strengthen the long-term prosperity of a company. Now, I want you to do something, too. When you're reading this, see the New World Order as a company, okay? It's not just Walmart, um, Amazon, you name it. See it as a world thing, okay? Because ultimately the world's going to own all these companies, the, the New World Order is. And, um, well, let's just go from there. All right. And it has some, I what I would call bullet points, but there are numbers here. Uh, number one, a company serves its customers by providing a valued proposition that best meets all their needs it accepts and supports fair competition since when and a level playing field (laughs) fair competition folks if if i that means if you charge a dollar more than the other guy for the same thing even if it's uh, a knockoff then you're being bad because that's not fair competition okay okay accepts and supports fair competition and a level playing field it has zero tolerance for corruption. This is, a, this is a governmental body or a future governmental body talking about companies not having corruption. Okay, that, that's laughable. Um, it keeps the digital and ecosystem in which it operates reliable and trustworthy. Okay. It makes c- customers fully aware of the functionality of its products and services including adverse implications or negative externalities now that's great if you're you know if you're selling drugs because they have to tell people what the um the negative side effects are okay or side effects in general um so i'm trying to think of an example here what if um what if i make a device that peels potatoes okay and some jerk accidentally gets his finger stuck in it and it cuts the end of his finger off. Okay. I know I think of intense and gross things, but let's, let's just go with this. Okay. So what would have to happen is, and it does happen in some regards, you know, they'll come out with something in the next generation of things they sell, you know, be careful not to stick your finger here or else, you know, but this can get ludicrous. It really can, you know, What if somebody cuts their finger It gets a paper cut when they're opening up the cardboard box? (laughs) You know, oh, uh, yeah, you must be careful when opening up this package because you could cut your finger. You know, I mean, this is what we're talking about because, you know, the left and the communists take everything to the nth degree. And if you don't believe that, talk to somebody that's lived in that's lived in the former USSR or any of the satellite countries that ringed it the whole time uh, the Cold War was going on. Um, it, it's ridiculous. Some of the things that they'll tell you, you know, it, it really is. It's, it's ludicrous. Uh And it's all, it's also somebody can keep their job. Okay. So let's, let's just say, let's just use the two examples that I just gave. Okay. You, you, you can cut your finger opening. So then the company's got to make a, uh, a little department of people who take complaints by people who've cut their fingers on, on the. On the cardboard while well, being it up or have been dumb enough to stick your finger in the machine while it's cutting the potatoes up. Um, so it's got to employ two or three people to do that. And then we have lawsuits. Okay. Uh, the guy who cut his finger off. Well, you know, they didn't let me know that that could happen. It kind of reminds me of the lady that, um, that spilled the hot coffee on her from McDonald's and then sued McDonald's. You know, if you were stupid enough to try to fiddle around with a coffee cup while you're driving, then you get what you deserve, okay? But not in our country anymore. She got quite a settlement out of that, you know? So, stupidity reigns. Okay. So, now you have to have this this little board in the company that looks for every way possible that you can mess up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, calling all the morons of the world. You want a job? Um, Okay. Number two, a company treats its people with dignity and respect. Okay. Um, It honors diversity. There we go. It honors diversity and strives for continuous improvements in working conditions and employee well-being. Well, you know, I've worked for quite a few companies in my day. And, you know, if if there was something, um, I'm trying to think, um, if there was something that was wrong. So You saw a safety hazard. You let them know they fixed it because they don't want to get sued, right? And they don't want people getting hurt either. Um, but um, continues in working conditions. Okay. And, well, that's why we have OSHA, right? That's why we have OSHA. Um, you, your boss doesn't listen to you. You call OSHA. OSHA comes out, and they usually get a fine, and they have to fix it. So, you know, we have that. So what's the big deal? Unless it's not that way in other countries, then I can see that. But it doesn't take changing the whole world to do that. Um, and diversity. So that does that mean that if... How do I say this stuff without sounding... Let's say there's a a, a woman that, or a man that became a woman, but he hasn't had things cut off yet. And... He comes in and you know he's that way. Well, you also know that he sued the last five employers, and you just you hear about it because it's made the news and stuff like that. And you decide you don't want to hire him because you don't want to get sued. It takes you to court and sues you because you didn't hire him. Um, the most ridiculous thing I heard now this wasn't an employer-employee situation, but somewhere in the last year, somewhere here in the United States, uh, a student said that they were identifying as a cat. And when they walked into class and said hello, the teacher got fired because he he didn't meow to the student. The student went and complained about it. Teacher got fired. Talk about stupid. Okay. Okay. Uh, Well, being in a world of rapid change, a company fosters continued employability through ongoing upskill and reskilling. Well, they do that anyway. (laughs) That's what meetings twice a week or once a week are about. You know my goodness you know this is like preaching to the choir um a company considers its suppliers as true partners in value in value creation what is value creation why not use a term like um income gain or something you know it provides a fair chance to new market entrance oh my goodness <laughs> We'll get back to that. It integrates respect for human rights into the entire supply chain. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't help it. <laughs> this is so stupid. I can't. But these people are serious. Okay. All right. It provides a fair chance to new market entrance. Okay. So, again, I make left-handed monkey wrenches. Some guy decides to steal. Well, I don't want you to just has a. Uh, he's got a new left-handed monkey wrench and he you know it's it's got a different color um, and a slightly different design so he's he's gotten it um, patented and and he wants to open up right next door to you and sell his monkey wrenches and so immediately starts a price war right <laughs> and um but you can't raise or lower your prices because if you lower your prices, you're not treating that new market entrant fairly. And so that's what it it eliminates competition is what this is doing, it's eliminating competition. Until the government steps in and says, hey, well, you know, company A, we like yours better. We'll take yours. And all of a sudden, company A is part of the government and they're not part of the the active uh, roles of employers anymore. And, you know, it just becomes a S storm. Number four, a company serves society at large through its activities, supports the communities in which it works, and pays its fair share of taxes. There it is. Bum, bum, bum fair share of taxes we talked about that earlier uh, it ensures the safe and ethical and efficient use of data well okay i, I can dig that um, it acts as a steward of the environmental and material universe for future generations okay so let's say that uh elon let's use elon musk in his tesla cars you know elon musk is cranking away you know hey we got a hundred thousand more orders than last year government steps in. you can't do that you're using up too much lithium for the batteries we got to make sure that three generations from now they have enough lithium for batteries so you have to stop making cars right now that's what it's saying it consciously protects our biosphere and champions a circular shared and regenerative economy Wow, that's a bunch of bovine scatology. Um, protect our biosphere. Bio means life, sphere means circle, life circle. And champions a circular, shared, and regenerative economy. Well, don't they do that already? Look at the aluminum industry. You know, plastic industry. There's people constantly on the side of the road picking up cans and bottles. They stay Turn them in, they get money for them. I mean, you know, what are they supposed to do when a person buys a new car? You go take the old car and give it to somebody or I don't know. It's it's so stupid. I can't even figure it out. Uh, it continuously expands the frontiers of knowledge, innovation, and technology to improve people's well-being. Well, isn't that what happens? You know, when I was a kid um, and you bought a new car, it didn't have a soft dashboard. They usually had metal dashboards, okay? And the whole thing was, you know, if you got in a wreck, because <laughs> seatbelts weren't very common back then either. I mean, they were there, but um, nobody wore them. Uh, so, you know, you hit your brakes. A passenger goes flying forward, hits their head on the... If they don't hit the windshield, they hit their head on the dashboard, and bam, they got a big raspberry on their dashboard, and maybe some brain stuff going on, you know? Um, so... Anyway, isn't that the fact that they came out with soft dashboards, isn't that improving people's well-being? Um, Isn't the fact that uh, we use unleaded gas, that improves people's well-being? Uh, Catalytic converters turn the emissions into basically nitrogen and water. Isn't that improving people's well-being? You know, it's been happening all along. And here in the States, companies are very proactive in this. So if you're gonna preach this crap, Schwab, preach it to the rest of the world. Preach it to yourself. I'm not gonna say what I was gonna say. Um A company provides its shareholders with a return of investments that takes into account the incurred entrepreneurial risks and the need for continuous innovation and sustainable investments. The incurred, intra- okay. I don't know if any of you bought stock, but I have. And when you, before you buy a stock, unless you're the kind of person that's, hey, uh, Dick down there just, uh, just bought this stock and he says it's good, and you go and buy it, well, <clears throat> and then it crashes. Well, if you didn't research, that's your your fault. But when somebody comes up and says, hey, there's a new stock coming, I, you know, you should invest in it. I check it out. I see how long they've been around, um, what their potential is, what they're making. You know, and um, and I look at it from a conscientious view, too, uh, having a conscience. Um, there was a time when I had uh, Moderna stock, and when they started messing around with mRNA, making that crap, I got rid of it. I sold it, man. I had nothing to do with Moderna anymore, you know. <clears throat> Some of you say, yeah, but you got the money from it. Yeah, well, I put money into it, too, you know, because i supposed to just give it up and not get back what I, I put into it. Um, anyway, uh, let's see. All right, so we, we talked about that. Um, B, A company. Oh. Okay, never mind. Uh, B is a um, separation. A, a company is more than an economic unit generating wealth. It fulfills human and societal aspirations as part of the broader economy social system well yeah bible says if you don't work you don't eat if you go to work yeah that makes my life that makes life better you know you can buy food you can buy maybe a car save up and buy a house yeah okay so this is a no no dull no duh statement um performance must be measured not only um on the return of the shareholders but also how it achieves its environmental social and good governance objectives okay how's environmental social so see they're turning companies into not just companies they're turning them into social um socialized company <laughs> there you go socialized companies um good governance objectives Executive remuneration should reflect stakeholder responsibility. There's something I can agree with. There's, I don't agree that a president of a company should get $20 million a year. Sorry. Nobody's worth that kind of money. But at the same time, if the company is, is doing much better than it was ever thought possible, a larger sum would be good, but you know, not $20 million. Okay. And I think I've reached the last of this this lot full of cow patties. Excuse me, folks. Um, A company that has a multinational scope of activities not only serves all of the stakeholders who are directly engaged, but it acts as itself as a stakeholder together with governments and civil society of the global future, of our global future. Okay, again, we're talking about it's not just a company. It's a social gathering, a social prospect. Uh, Corporate global citizenship requires global citizenship. Ooh, talk new world order. Uh, Requires a company to harness its core competencies, its entrepreneurship, skill, and relevant resources in a collaborative efforts with other companies and stakeholders to improve the state of the world. I don't have to go into that with you guys. It's Yep, yeah, I don't have to go into that. It's all a new world order. Okay. Whew. Man, we got through that. How are we doing on time anyway? Alright, we just got an hour here. Um now I want to get into so we, we see that the fourth um industrial revolution, it's it's the melding of some of the technology we have from the third uh, industrial revolution, the higher end stuff the the DNA, <clears throat> the robotic and everything like that. But it's going farther in that if you've read anything about it, it talks about melding uh humanity or biology with um, with digital systems with um uh, with computers basically. Um, to turn the human into a, um, a machine and not a machine, a computer that like a walking computer. Um, but the bad thing about this is if, you know, garbage in, garbage out, you've heard that term. So if you're taking things in and processing as a computer, there's somebody that has written a software that can take everything that you're computing and use it against you or for your benefit, you know, but possibly against you. And that's the way humanity t- tends to go. Um, so, oh my goodness. Can you, can you imagine what porn will be like if, man, talk about, it's really sick now. I mean, it is grossly sick, but if you have the ability for your brain to be like a computer and surf the internet and, oh my goodness, there's, it's, it's going to take, sexual union and totally revolution it's going to turn it into chaos that's what it's going to do actually um man oh man i don't need the, the, the thought of that it just crossed my mind it's like my goodness there's so many guys and women that are involved in that garbage right now imagine what it's going to be like but imagine also that somebody's going to know everything you're looking at i mean they already do anyway right but it's gonna be there's not gonna be a way where you can say, Well, you know, somebody must have hacked into my system or something like that. They're gonna know. And uh but seeing that the the government's wicked and the world government is wicked, they'll they'll use it for one or two things for their own enjoyment, or they'll use it to frame you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna run for Congress. Well, <laughs> we're gonna show everybody what you've been doing. You know. So Anyway, so that's what it's all about. It's for basically ending humanity the, as as it is right now. And that's a scary thought. It really is. It's a very, very scary thought. And, I mean, there's people that can't even hu- handle humanity right now. As imagine, imagine when they, they're part computer. My goodness. It's going to make the Borg look like a, um, uh, I don't know. If you don't know what I'm talking about, there's in Star Trek, there's a race of... Uh, beings that uh basically kidnap you or take you over they, they they incorporate uh the borg into you and the borg is um kind of like a computer program um but you take on characteristics like they might give you one eye that's um that's robotic and you know kind of like the six million dollar man on steroids um but most of you don't even remember what that is because you weren't live then but anyway. Um, so that's what it's all about you know it's like it's changing and it's and the whole thing about this is that <clears throat> if you're godlike you don't need God, okay If your brain interfaces with a supercomputer it has all the answers, they might be garbage answers, but it has all the answers, and you have more strength than you had before you have more control or, or power than you had before more control um. You become like a god and that was the whole thing that got man in trouble to begin with do not eat of that fruit for when you do your eyes will be open and you will become like god okay so it's it's the devil's way i think satan's way of of corrupting humanity even further i mean you know before the flood he tried to corrupt humanity by by uh some of his fallen angels coming down and having sexual unions with human women and creating the nephilim and the and and all the other creepy things that were created um and that didn't work and then he tried to do that again after the flood that's where we get some of the races that were in canaan that israel had to wipe out when it when it was free from um from pharaoh in egypt and they went into the land remember uh it talked about you know these these guys <laughs> i'm encapsulating and, and making it my own words here but uh, yeah, these guys we went into the land and, and, it, and we looked like grasshoppers to them. We were so small, you know, so, um, and then he's been doing it all through history and, uh, using, um, ab- abduction, not alien abduction per se, but you know, of people during the middle ages, you know, taken into caves deep underground, um, just like it says that there's happening today. Um, except they're, they're, they're purporting or presenting themselves as, uh, as aliens from other galaxies and planets and stuff like that. They're not. They're just the same fallen angels that were around before the flood or akin to those angels anyway. Um, okay. So we've talked about the fourth uh, industrial revolution and where that's going to lead us. And frankly, I'm glad I'm 63 and I probably won't be around for much of that, but I do worry about my grandkids and my kids. And, uh, but I know God's faithful to, uh, protect them. Um, <clears throat> now, like I said, you know, it's, it's easy for the people on the left to, to label conservatives as Nazis because, uh, conservatives per se usually are, well, we're even minded. Um, we think about things before we do it. Uh, we're not governed by emotion for the most part. You know, we have emotions, but we're not governed by it. Don't make a lot of decision by emotion because that always gets you into trouble. And um, so, of course, you know, okay, well, you guys are Nazis. Okay, well, whatever. But um, anyway, so there – well, let's see. I'm trying to think of how to approach this, okay? And i think i'm going to start out with project paperclip if i can find that thing i know i saved it okay you know what before we get into that there's an article by klaus schwab okay let me see when it was written it's it's not a long one okay And, um, actually he wrote a book called the fourth industrial revolution. And I think this just talks about the book. Okay. Um, it says the fourth industrial revolution by Klaus Schwab. And, um, actually it's got, I guess this is the whole book. It's got links to everything, but this is, um, this is the first chapter I do believe, or the first part of the book ubiquitous mobile supercomputing intelligent robots, self-driving cars, <clears throat> neurotechnological brain enhancements, genetic editing <clears throat> the evidence of dramatic change is all around us and it's happening at exponential speed Professor Klaus Schwab, founder of the ex- and executive chairman of the World Economic Forum has been at the center of global affairs for over 40 de- four decades <laughs> 40 decades kind of looks like it. Um, He's convinced that we are at the beginning of a revolution that is fundamentally changing the way that we live, work, and relate to one another, which he explores in his new book, The Fourth Industrial Revolution. Previous industrial revolutions liberated mankind from animal power, made mass, speaking of horses and stuff like that, uh, we don't need those anymore. We may need them again, though. Um, uh, Liberating humankind from animal power made mass production possible and brought digital capabilities to billions of people. The fourth industrial revolution is, however, fundamentally different. It is characterized by a range of new technologies that are fusing the physical, digital, and biological worlds, impacting all disciplines, economies, and industries, and even challenging ideas about what it means to be human. Ooh. See, folks? I should have read this first. The resulting shifts and disruptions mean that we live in a time of great promise and great peril. The world has the potential to connect billions of more people to digital networks, dramatically improving the efficiency of organizations and even managing assets in ways that can help regenerate the natural environment, potentially undoing the damage of previous industrial revolutions. Isn't that what communists always try to do? Oh, yeah, everybody else was bad. We're going to fix it. We're going to make it right. Okay. However, Schwab also has grave concerns that organizations might be unable to adapt. Governments could fail uh, to employ and regulate new technologies to capture their benefits. Uh, Shifting power will create important new security concerns. Inequality may grow and societies fragment. Schwab puts the most recent changes in historical content Context, uh, outlines the key technologies driving this revolution, discusses the major impacts on government businesses, civil society, and individuals, and suggests ways to respond. At the heart of his analysis is the conviction that the fourth industrial revolution is within the control of all of us as long as we are able to collaborate across geographies, sectors, and disciplines to grasp the opportunities to present. Uh, let me take it aside here. Um of all the religions, what do you think are maybe the two that will not go with this? Yep, Judaism and Christianity. Yep, serious Judaism and Christianity. Um, because we're set. We're we're fundamentally, if you will, um, we're fundamentally set. We're we're grounded, and we're not blowing in the wind like a lot of other peoples are not just uh, religions but societies and everything else um so when it talks about um disciplines to for disciplines to grasp the opportunities it represents represents um it's saying that there are some that won't okay and i'm happy to be one of them um in particular schwab calls for leaders and citizens to take uh together shape a future that works for all by putting people first empowering them and constantly reminding ourselves that all these new technologies are first and foremost tools made by people for people yeah that's why you want to put a computer in somebody's brain so you can control them then they're no longer people and by the way people means a person it means a human being so if it's part machine and no longer 100 percent human being then um you know what do we have here you know um so if it's made by people for people and they are people i don't know because the people the word people definitely the connotation is a human being so learning how humankind can benefit from the revolution while addressing its challenges is also a central aim of the world economic forum Annual meeting of 2016, which is being held or was held under the theme, Mastering the Fourth Industrial Revolution. Crowdsourcing ideas, insights, and wisdoms from the World Economic Forum's global network of top leaders from business, government, and civil society, and young leaders. This new book looks deeply at the future that is unfolding today and how we might take take collective responsibility to ensure it has a positive, it is positive for one of us. Wait, it is positive one for all of us. Excuse me. The introduction of the book is available PDF here. i um, not interested in it. Uh, the full book is available in English on Amazon. Okay. I uh, okay, so the rest of it's garbage. And there's a video to watch if you want to watch it, if you really want to waste your time. Um but, you know, information is knowledge, so go check it out. I think it's important. Okay, now we're going to move into the Fourth Reich. Okay, now to understand the Fourth Reich, we have to know what the first three were according to Germany. Okay, because the word is only, is only applicable, in, you know, to the German people, but its implications are, are dire and drastic to the rest of humanity. This stuff is good. LaCroix. It's doesn't have any junk in it. Basically it's flavored water. Um, all right. I'm going to read what the German Reich was. Okay. All right. The German Reich was the constitutional name for the German nation state. It existed from 1871 to 1845. Um, you'll find out later that was referred to as the Second Reich. The Reich, excuse me. The Reich became understood as deriving its authority and sovereignty entirely from a continuing u- unity, uh, continuing unitary, unitary German national people uh, with the authority and sovereignty being exercised <clears throat> at any one time over a unity german state territory um, in other words people over the state yeah we've heard that before uh, with value with variable boundaries in it to extent although commonly translated german empire the word right here is better translated as realm or territory or territorial reach and the term does not itself have monarchical um, connotations. Okay, so that was uh, basically what was called the second Reich. Okay. The first Reich uh, of all things was the Holy Roman Empire. <clears throat> and it's, this afforded me a chance to go in and read about the Holy Roman Empire. Now, when I, I researched the church years ago, um, I actually took classes, church history in college. Um, we uh we learned that uh europe was a a big pot mess man <laughs> it was it, it was like everything was thrown into the pot and nobody stirred it um what a mess i i mean and i was looking at a map just today of of germany during the holy roman empire and it consisted of uh, germany of course and what is now austria and and Switzerland, and um, part of France, and although France was its own empire per se, um, and uh, like the two northern two-thirds of Italy, all the way down to the Papal States, or Rome, and then up. Um, and it was a series of different kingdoms, fiefdoms, and everything else that uh, would war with each other. Um, uh, some of them stood with the Pope, others opposed the Pope. Uh, then they went to war with France because France always opposed, France wanted to have their own popes, um, for the Catholic Church and, uh, Rome didn't like that. And, and so, you know, there, there was always some kind of battle going on somewhere. And then the Protestants came into the fold, uh, not into the fold, but in, under the scene and, uh, and, and that created more, but it helped to unite the, the French and the Germans to fight the, um, the Protestants. Anyway, uh, so the first uh, Reich was the um, the Holy Roman Empire. And let me get my notes here, because I did some pretty extensive notes. Okay, so the first Reich uh, was from 800 to 1600, so 800 years. Uh, so the Nazis believed this to be the first Reich. Germany was a key player in the Holy Roman Empire. I would say more like the player. Um, that, that happened to let other people join. <laughs> uh, they were nice and let other kids play with them. Um, some interesting things happened during 800 and 1600. The Reformation um, happened. Uh, Martin Luther nailing uh, his thesis on the church door and at, was it was at Wittenberg, I think. And, um, and the starting the, um, the Protestant Reformation although he didn't go far enough as far as i'm concerned you know he just wanted to reform catholicism he didn't want to start a new religion but that's what happened not a religion but a new faith um so that's what happened the renaissance started right around 1500 so um so you have religious self-determination with the reformation and you have societal self-determination with the renaissance um now there were new births of freedom back in those days um political and self-determination the magna carta what was that 1099 i think that was signed right around there um that would have put it in that period and right at the end of this period you know if you want to add an extra 20 years on it sixteen twenties when the pilgrims arrived in the new world uh, because they wanted self-determination when it came to um, how they worshiped god not to be dictated to by the anglicans or the catholic church now, the second Reich, um, according to Germany, and remember this is a German word, so we have to look at the German definitions, um, was from 1871 to 1918, and this was the German empire. Okay, this is when Germany was strong in Europe. Well, it was strong after 1918 too, but um, it really had influence in, in Europe um, from 1871 to 1918 and 1918 of course when they lost world war 1 they lost a lot and <clears throat> the price they had to pay for world war 1 is what actually led up to world war 2 um it gave hitler carte blanche basically And we'll talk about him maybe later but um so anyway let's see so what happened during that well a lot of things happened <laughs> um gunpowder smokeless powder was invented during that time um which led um, actually to the proclamation that the Jews should have a state in Palestine. Um, Inventions are a lot of that made life easier. Electricity came into full use around that time with Edison and and lights and, and things like that. And Tesla, I'm not going to forget Tesla, much more important than Edison. Um, Trains. Uh, trains became popular i guess before 1871 but they really really started to uh started going i mean you know we're we're talking transcontinental and um you know trains got more powerful and stuff like that Uh, cars were invented in this period automobiles that is airplanes street cars etc now airplanes think about the generation that was before that um, or the people that lived in the industrial revolution that was before that or that period between the two industrial revolutions. I'm sorry. Or I mean, between the first Reich and the second Reich. Sorry. Um, You know, you got these things that are, that don't eat horses. And I think I talked about this before and, and, you know, uh, Oh, you know, those, those will be out of, it's a fad. It's going to go away and stuff. Well, it wasn't, you know, and then they just adapted. Many people that had horses bought cars you know and some resisted of course um, let's see refinements and inventions and tools and warfare tools of warfare uh, repeating rifles machine guns gas warfare big thing in nineteen in world war one smallpox okay and when I, i'm talking about smallpox i'm talking about um, um, soldiers at certain um, american um, before it's releasing blankets that went to the uh, native americans and started smallpox epidemics that wiped out uh groups of people um and also in this time in the 1890s i think it became very popular in germany as eugenics you know um birthrights uh not birthrights but you know if you have blue eyes you're better than people that have brown eyes uh all the things that hitler uh, clung on to and that uh, Dr. Mengele experimented with. Um, the fact that I even call him a doctor, I, I, regret, but that was what he did. And it was his title. Um, he was a butcher, actually. Um, so anyway, those are some of the things that happened in the second Reich. And you know, the United States was growing stronger during that time. We just come out of the Civil War in 1865, uh, you know, about uh, six years before this, um, second Reich. And, um, we are be, becoming a powerful nation. Uh, we develop a powerful navy. Um, a lot of, uh, firsts in military, uh, were, were American in nature. So, but the eugenics was the real bad thing because it's going to be a part of the, um, a big time part of the fourth uh, industrial revolution. <clears throat> the third Reich, we all know about, um, that was Hitler's time. It officially started in 1933 after the Reichstag fire. And Hindenburg was president at that time. At that time he, he actually proclaimed, proclaimed an edict, sorry folks, giving Hitler, who is now chancellor of Germany, by the way, all power, even to violate some of the German constitution, which he was so adept at doing. Um, and because of this, uh, we have a reintroduction of barbarism. Um actually the barbarism um was popular also right after World War One or at the end of World War One, uh, with the three genocides that the Turks uh sought to. Um against the um the Armenians, the Assyrians, and the Greeks. Millions of people were killed. It's very rarely talked about because we don't want to offend the Turks, of course, you know. Um so reintroduction of barbarism on a grand scale uh eugenics was taught in germany um fostered privately in allied countries uh, yeah it was big here it really was in the united states it's just that it wasn't talking about very much because of our judeo-christian ethic um the attempt to conquer the world and eliminate those that the nazis saw as inferior races or having flawed ideologies again that had to do with eugenics but um Basically, if you weren't blonde, here blue-eyed Nordic, you were you were bad. And there's a list out there somewhere of what they thought about people. And and um, many cultures were considered ape-like or half-ape-like. Um, it was a bad scene. Um, Second World War um, uh, or two so far I put down here <laughs> that the, they were both started by Germany. Tens of millions died around the world. So Germany was responsible for the deaths of untold millions of uh, people. Uh, Now we get into the fourth Reich. Uh, It began in 1946 with, of all things, the implementation of Project Paperclip. Um, Let's see what I wrote here. Uh, The US Office of Strategic Services, the OSS was eliminated. That was our spy group, okay, for, for this okay i'm glad it tells me when that happens i don't think i hey there's some people in chat room are you interacting with twitch um i interact with the twitch stream sometimes um mr genius um yeah i'm here it's just that when i'm reading articles um, on another screen i can't see you guys Well, yeah, an austria hungarian Empire was part of it. Um, but the Hungarian Empire was actually, um, at the time, of the Holy Roman Empire was a separate thing. Um, and Austria was incorporated into the Holy Roman Empire. But uh, yes, afterward, it was Austria-Hungary. So, folks, I'm just interacting with some of the people on here. Um, we get good people coming in here. <laughs> uh, thank you for your patience uh, while I was... Reading and I'm going to go back to reading, so I won't be able to interact with the chat rooms uh, very much. Okay, so. All right, here we go. All right. So we talked about uh, we're going to talk about Project Paperclip because it was something that really. It was kind of like the. um, The death knoll. Or the announcement of an impending death of the United States, (laughs) Uh, the way I see it. So what was Project Paperclip? Well, Project Paperclip was a secret United States intelligence program. Intelligence program. It wasn't intelligent. In which more than 1,600 Nazi German scientists, engineers, technicians, and we might want to add in there philosophers, were taken from the former Nazi, from former Nazi Germany to the U.S. for government employment after the end of World War II in Europe, uh, between 1945 and 1959, this happened. Conducted by the Joint Intelligence Objectives uh, Agency, JIOA, it was largely carried out by special agents of the U.S. Army's counterintelligence group, CIC. Many of these personnel were former members and some were former leaders of the Nazi party. Yeah, Werner von Braun. Okay. The primary purpose of Operation Paperclip was the U.S. military's advantage in the Soviet-American Cold War and the space race. Uh, in comparison, um, space race, in, compar- in a comparable operation, the Soviet Union reclo- relocated more than 2,200 German specialists, a total of more than 6,000 people, including family members, with Operation Osoaviakhim during one night in october 22nd 1946 so the russians were it too the thing that concerns me is that um you know and, and you could take this the way you want but um traditionally in biblical terms um the israelites were told never to take or on many occasions i should say they were told not to take the spoils of war um And this was always against tribes that were, that practiced, um, were heavy into Satanism and, and, um, and communion with the Nephilim and stuff like that. And there was an occasion where the Israelites didn't listen and they brought stuff with them and, uh, and they, the penalty wasn't that great. Uh, I mean, it was a great penalty, but for them, they didn't think it was that great. And, um, so so what did the United States do at the end of World War II? Brought, brought criminals and, uh, you know, criminal Nazis and, and everything else uh, into the United States and moved them into the CIA. Okay. Um, I can't think of a worse thing to do. Now, since then, the CIA has been involved in many crimes against the American people, among crimes of other people. Several times they've con- conducted drug and bio-warfare operations covertly in, on American cities. For all intents and purposes, the, uh, the Nazis and in, in the CIA and their American cohorts have slowly but methodically made changes in American society that were meant to lead us to socialism, specifically Nazism. Uh, some of those things fostering hatred between races. Uh, the assassination of American leaders, both political and religious funneling drugs to America's youth uh, in urban and rural settings, meddling in the affairs of other countries, causing them to respond in force, and other things that we'll probably never ever hear about. Now let's, I'm going to go out on a limb here, as I often do, and I want to start out by saying this is a supposition. It's not fact. Um, it's not a theological thing i'm starting trying to start this is a what if okay i found some parallels that just kind of i want to share with you and um and we'll go from there now in the book of Daniel, i think it's the second chapter uh nebuchadnezzar had a dream he was the leader of babylon the king of babylon and it really bothered him because he didn't know what it was about and some of his people tried to interpret it and they couldn't and one of them remembered that Daniel could interpret dreams. And so the king called Daniel in and said, I had, you know, he said, tell me what the dream is and then interpret it. Okay. <laughs> Which is pretty wise when you think about it. Um, so anyway, the king went ahead and said, you know, I saw the statue. It had a gold head. Uh, the breast and the arms were silver. The belly and the thighs were made of brass. And by the way, that word is wrong. It should be bronze. Because um, that's what the word actually translates out to. Brass wasn't much used back then, um, if it was even known about. And the legs, and iron, uh, legs of iron were Rome. Okay, now when we talk about the feet of iron and clay, which were, were the ten toes and the feet were made out of, uh, the last day's empire, uh, the two legs denote the two systems. will uh, That two systems will be one system, each a foundation, uh, the two toes, the, the ten toes of clay and iron will be the ten world regions that will be formed together, uh, formed together and, uh, <clears throat> but they will not coexist well together. Okay. Um, old Klaus's, uh, thing about inequity is still going to be in, in, in play here. Um, also, uh, we could denote that the clay as clay and iron do not mix and possibly, um, <clears throat> here's where I'm going out on a limb. Now let me preface something before I read this, okay, and, and share it with you. Uh there's a guy named David Jacobs and there are others that have um used hypnosis on um alien abductees and, and found out quite a few interesting things. But the one that David Jacobs found out and has scared him actually, um uh, is that these abductions are leading to um manipulation of the genes in the sperm and eggs that are taken from the men and women that are being abducted and they're being tweaked and mixed with alien stuff. So, um, David Jacobs explains that there are different pro, um, tiers. Let's put it that way of progress that, um, exists with these things because he's found it out from the, um, from the abductees. And these abductees, by the way, are, are willing abductees. And, um, have been helping these creatures out anyway i'll explain in a minute um so you know the 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 first tier is obviously it looks more like an alien the second tier looks less like an alien or i should say an alien gray and again they're not aliens they're they're fallen angels um that are disguised as it okay um but they do have genetic material and it's being mixed okay so anyway, um, so the final tier he labeled as hybrids, human hybrids or uh, things that look more human than alien and could be taken as human by people that aren't aware of them, okay? And they're here to basically supplant the uh, human race. But biblically speaking, we know that's not gonna happen. It might come close, uh, but it's not gonna happen. Um, totally and it will be unsuccessful but um so that's when i say also to note that the uh the clay and iron do not mix they never will and never have and possibly human alien hybrids will be on earth daniel was told that and they and that's in the phrase they will mingle themselves with the seeds of men but they will not cleave to each other Okay, so if they're going to mingle themselves with the seed of men, they're not men, right? <laughs> there's something other than human. So there's a good indication right there that this this hybrid or hybrid system is, is in effect. Um, maybe the ten regions governed by the ten are governed by ten hybrids that are placed in power over actual humans. And I am one of those people that believes that the Antichrist will be an alien-human hybrid. Um, anyway. Let's see. Now I want to revisit the statue and revive it here. And this is the if part, okay? So I'm not starting a new religion, I'm not starting a new doctrine. This is a what if, okay? So the first Reich uh, would be the head of gold. And right, that's the Holy Roman Empire and for obvious reasons, the second Reich would be the breast of arms and arms of silver. Now the colonial powers um, at the time were England, France, and Spain, okay? They were the ones that colonized the North American and South American continents and parts of Africa and other places too. Um, the, the Spanish were in South America, Central American, and part of the West in the United States, even part of the South down by New Orleans. Um, the English, of course, were in the Northeast part of the, uh, the country and the Eastern seaboard. And France was up in Canada and parts of um, central North America, parts of uh, New York, uh, Michigan, and stuff like that. Um, so, I think it's kind of interesting to note too that just as uh, each hand uh, on the image has five fingers, both England, France, and both England and France had cl- colonies or outposts on five continents. Okay. Now that just might be a coincidence or what if. I don't know. You you can figure it out on your own. I'm just presenting it. Okay. Um, let's see. The third Reich, the body, uh, the belly and thighs of brass. No, I'm, I'm really going to reach out here. Okay. (laughs) But humor me. Uh, the correct translation for brass in this passage is bronze. Okay. I said that. Bronze is made of copper. Bronze is made of copper and tin, whereas brass is copper and zinc. Okay. Bronze was also a uh, more common metal back in Daniel's time. We all know about the Bronze Age, okay? We don't know anything about a brass age because there never was one. Plus the, the ancients didn't know very much about zinc, so they didn't know to mix zinc, and plus when you mix regular zinc in without deoxygenating it, somehow it, it affects the metal in a negative way. Um, so it's more of a recent um, invention. And uh, let's see, it could be that the billion, the billion thighs of um, brass, aka bronze, uh, could be the United States. First, it exists within a transition period between the time of the colonial period and the two legs that are clearly the last days Rome. The third colonial power, three colonial powers that were in North America were the same powers, England, France, and Spain, that made up the breast and the arms of silver. They are naturally, they, thus they naturally mold sort of, um, into the, the third entity, so to speak. Uh, being that it is bronze, it, bronze is interesting because bronze is the only metal in the statue that's not, not base metal. Iron's a base metal, silver is, gold is, but um, bronze is not, okay. Bronze is an alloy made up of copper and tin. we said that metaphorically speaking, the United States is an ally, uh, excuse me, an alloy amongst the nations made up of diverse, uh, diverse members of nationalities and races. Okay, the only alloy. But uh, what about Germany and being the third Reich? As mentioned earlier, as I talked about, uh, after World War II, Project Paperclip brought many Nazis into the United States so that they can impart their wisdom and knowledge, evil as it was, and advanced scientific practices and inventions as well as medical and other advances. These people did not cease to be Nazis, by the way, but they melded into American society, much like gold and other riches brought back from the spoils of war often is often melted down and uh recased okay um there was a point i wanted to make there but i was interrupted and i can't remember what it was um it might not be the same image but um it is foreign gold silver and jewels uh over the period of roughly seven decades the united states has devolved from what was once the land that enjoyed many freedoms to a land that removes freedom and imprisons those that strive to do right. Simply put, while the Nazis were defeated in a physical manner in the last century, they have in effect won the war by changing America in that it now spirals towards a mixture of National Socialism or Nazism and a Soviet style Marxism. Now, what about the four, um, or the legs of iron? Um, With the weakening of the United States and removal of its superpower capability comes the next empire, a world empire. The rich elites, pardon me, folks. I'm going to, I'm going to, oh, what do I do? I'm going to enlarge this thing so I can read it. Okay. Enlarge is that one right there. Okay. Okay. Not much better, but better. Okay the rich elites in, of this world have accumulated all the money that they can use. And now they focus on power. We have people like Klaus Schwab speaking about instituting a new world order with promises of equity, uh, of economics and freedom by, <clears throat> um, using newfound technologies that stagger, uh, the imagination. We have Bill Gates, a self-proclaimed social, uh self-proclaimed social, oops, what do I do here? Social and medical, social and medical professional that would like to reduce the world's population who just happens to be deeply involved in formulating new and unproven vaccines that are proven to be dangerous and deadly to humans of all ages. The world's media outlets are in bed with the elites. These outlets spread lies and propaganda while suppressing the truth um, to the point of turning, of ruining the lives of those who promote the truth. These people and those like them seem to have, be in the driver's seat currently, and the people of the world are circling the drain, getting closer to being sucked down the center toward the oblivion. Um, so, how do we know that the legs and feet represent Rome? Well, Daniel was told that the legs and the feet uh, were the empire that comes after Gracia. Grecia. Um, clearly that was the first incarnation of Rome. We too know that, um, that it is Rome because, um, it is, because in her final centuries, Rome split into two entities, Rome proper and the Byzantine Empire. Feet of iron and clay, uh, i.e., the ten toes, uh, the feet of iron and clay make a bad foundation. They're, these are uh, questions that arise from the legs and feet and toes. The significance of the two legs could be the empire would have two appearances. The first being biblical times and the second being towards the end of man's uh, dominion on earth. It could have a dualistic meaning. Um, it could also be that since Rome started out as a monarchy and later became a Republic, uh, the legs represent these two. So, anyway it's a lot to digest it's a lot to think about but it's interesting that the third the the fourth reich and the fourth industrial revolution are starting right around the same time now there are those out there to think that uh, you think the fourth reich you think oh well you think of neo-nazis um yeah and that's that's a reasonable thing to think about but um jim wilhelmson uses um a term that i really like it's um it's same, but opposite. So in other words, um, we're going to, it's going to be an attempt to take over the world. It's going to be an attempt to, uh, kill people, of course. Um, and, but it's going to be done peacefully <laughs> or more peacefully than, than in the first attempt. Okay. Uh, the same goals are going to be, um, desired, but the opposite ways are going to be kept. Okay, or, uh, used to achieve those goals, so to speak. Um, it's, it's, it's really interesting that, um, when you read the book of Revelation, it talks about a conqueror who's going to conquer with flatteries and things like that. Um, not with, um, you know, a bunch of neo Nazi guys running around. Now, the neo Nazis might serve their goals in that you're going to have two factions of Nazism. You're going to have the peaceful Nazism, and you're going to have the, the, uh, the militant Nazism. But um, if you remember when Germany was, um, in 1930s, when Germany was um, first getting into uh, the Third Reich, um, they had the SA and they had the SS. And the SA was the militant group, and the SS kind of just kept to the wings and kind of watched um, and so the SA went and killed people. They were the ones responsible, I do believe, for the lo- night of the, uh, excuse me, for crystal knock and things like that. Uh, but then when Hitler saw that the time was right, what he did is he, uh, he authorized the SS to kill the SA. Okay. And that's what was called the light, night of the long knives. And, um, and thus he made the Nazis look good. You know, hey, we got rid of these, these barbarians, these evil people that were going to kill everybody. You know, we're, we're the righteous people. You know, we're here to help you. And so that could actually be the same thing that plays out in these last days. You know, um, so anyway, all things considered. Um, my goodness, I've been out for an hour and 45 minutes. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm not going to address those things. Folks, I think I'm going to go ahead and give it up. So I've given you a lot to think about, um, a lot of suppositions, a lot of could be's. Um, so let's, let's ruminate on these things. And you can write to me, um, go to delusion And my email address is on there and you can write to me and we can talk about these things. Or I think, um, Twitch enables you to write to, to me. And I think that uh, also melon does too. And if you're getting this via um, audio, by the way, I'm glad I, I mentioned audio. I forget so many things anymore. Um, we don't, we're no longer on speaker. Okay. Speaker was charging me for what ACAS can give me for free. And any sensible person is going to go for free over, <laughs> over paying for what, you know, the same thing. So, um, Anyway, um so that's where we're we're on Acast now. So uh if you go to Spreaker to look for us, you're not going to find us anymore. Uh we are on Acast and um ACAST and uh, you can find us there. Um I will be replacing the thing on delusionresistance.org with the Acast player so that you can listen to their player instead of listening to Spreakers, which probably doesn't work anymore. Um So anyway, uh things are going good. Things are moving along. And, um, like I said, I'm going to end it for tonight. I want to thank everybody that was in the chat room. Um, yeah. Okay. I'm I'm just looking at some of the, the, um, streaming, uh, comments here. Anyway, I'm not going to address any, I I addressed some of them earlier and I'm kind of tired. So, uh, folks, have a wonderful, wonderful week. Uh, We'll be back on Thursday, Brian and I, with another subject. Um, Have a a great Wednesday, (laughs) okay? Hump day. You're halfway there. And um, until Thursday, hey, be blessed, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Bye for now.